You're listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Israel, in this text, we'll read it for you in a moment. Israel had been in captivity in Babylon for 80 years. The problem is when there's any crisis, undoubtedly, immediately, they turn to God. But after a while, they turn to the false gods. And the gods of Babylon and the gods of those people and the philosophy of those nation, that nation began to rub off on them. Now there's a remnant that's going to come back to Jerusalem. 50,000 people, we're told. All right, that's a small remnant. They're going to make a 700-mile journey. It's going to take five months to transport by foot those 50,000 people. They're coming back to Israel. God writes three books during this time, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Malachi is one of the prophets at that time that was writing back to these people at the same time. It was post-captivity. It was after the captivity. But unfortunately, they had been tarnished. That which was somewhat new and joyful in their hearts and as they went into captivity, as they turned to God, now they turned to these gods. And Ezra, who's leading them, was so brokenhearted. In chapter 10, we find that he's going to try to restore separation. Now when Ezra had prayed, Ezra chapter 10, it's page 539 in my Bible. When Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed weeping and cast himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a, a very great congregation of men, women, and children. For the people wept very sore. And I think this first verse shows us so much. We'll see it was the leader that wanted to get right. He cast himself down. But who was present? Men women and children. We saw men, women, and children tonight. If America is going to come back to God, it's going to take the home. When the home is destroyed, the foundations of a nation are destroyed. As we approach 2024, I beg, if you're a Christian home, you need to pray together every night. When I say that we pray together, we've always prayed together with our family. Now it's for many years, just my wife and I, and she could tell you because I pray, and I don't think it's any earth-shattering thing. And I must confess, and you know this, I said it before, sometimes she begins to giggle because I fall asleep. It seems like I'm like you, I run on tired, and uh, I start falling asleep, and she hears me breathing heavy. And I always tell the Lord, I'm so sorry I fell asleep on you. But we pray. We pray for you many times. We pray for our class. We pray for our ministry here. We pray for the sick. We pray for the needy. We pray for the lonely. There's so many things we pray for. I think of some of the preachers we're praying for right now. It may be their last Christmas. Every home that's a Christian home needs to pray. You say, well, I'm alone in life. I'm a widow or a widower. Or I'm, a, I'm by myself. Then pray. 
Pray out loud. Say, God, I'm closing this day, and I want to thank you for the day. And I want to challenge our people just like Ezra was praying. May it start with you. If it's just one of you or two of you, or if it's like a husband that falls asleep like I do, and I do it about once a week, it seems like, unfortunately, I'm so sorry to say that. And I have to finish my prayer abrupt. But I believe every child ought to hear a dad pray. My dad was alive, he'd be 100. He was born the year that they wrote the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, 1923. My dad was a godly man. He owned a gas station, one pump in Milwaukee. We moved here in 53, this area, Centerville. He was a tow truck driver, worked in sales eventually. He was not college educated. But he was the best man I've ever met in my life. He loved my mother so much. He was kind to my mother. He was kind to us children. He never got out of control. He was kind to everybody in life. He became a real good salesman because he was just kind to everybody. He was a happy guy. Stop this nonsense in our home of fighting and feuding and all that's going on. Just stop it. He said, well, we have alcohol in our home. Go home and Drain it out tonight. Say, how do I get off it? Just get off. Ask God for help. Turn that home into a Christian home. America needs Christian homes. And Ezra's writing to these people that have now been affected by 80 years in a foreign country. Shanika, the son of Jehel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said to Ezra, here's what they said. We have trespassed. Later, don't just take it all on yourself. We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of this land. Yet now there is hope. Why was there hope? They were coming back to Israel. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God. Put away the wives that are such a born of them according to the counsel of the Lord. Those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to thy law. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee, and also be with thee. Be, be, be of good carriage and do it. You don't need therapy. Just do it. Do what you're supposed to do. Apologize to your wife. If it's tonight because of your actions or if it's because when you get out of control, then blame while well, I've been under pressure. Well, grow up, big boy. Just do it. Just say, I'm sorry. I was so wrong. And humble yourself before your wife. If you've been nagging at your husband, like being like nibbled to death by a duck, if you do that to your husband, why don't you come back and say, I'm sorry. Please forget. If you've been yelling at your kids, I'm sorry. If you've been disobeying your parents, just, just do what you're supposed to. Just do it. We, we have such a hard time. Well, what, do I, what, what should I do? Do it. I'd like to preach a message on that sometime. Get wound up just thinking about it. The Bible says, then arose Ezra. Now he's standing up again. Shechaniah stood up, and now arose Ezra. The chief priest, got some leaders with them, and the Levites, and all of Israel to swear that they should do according to the word of God. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God. And that's where you want, if you want to get right with God, go to the house of God. Stay in God's house. And he mourned, verse number six, because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. 
there were still people back here. They didn't, they didn't leave Babylon. They were still there. And he mourned for them. They had the right to leave, but they said, we kind of like it over here. We don't want to go back to Israel. We kind of like the things we see here. Verse number 10, And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Therefore make confession. Verse 12, And all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou said, we must do. We're going to do it. It's an amazing thing how narcissism has invaded our country. We've studied that subject from a biblical approach in our Sunday school class with young couples recently. And narcissism is, is, a, is a system of, in a home, for example, where the parents live to get their needs met instead of the children's needs met. It's all about me. Well, I'm walking out away from my children and my husband because I'm not happy. Well, that's narcissism. You will hurt anybody just because of who you are. I need to be happy in life. Well, you signed on to get married, so throw happiness out the door. It's not always happy. There's sorrows. There's hospital rooms. There's cancer. There's responsibility. There's a loss of job. There's there's not enough money. Life's hard. And, and narcissism is where the parent needs all the attention at the expense of a child. I read just recently the illustration of a, a woman, her son and daughter-in-law were married and they're a young couple, got a little apartment and uh, the, 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 the new daughter-in-law, she made sure that it was all painted up right and they had old furniture, but it was old furniture and after about a year or so, they went on a little brief getaway, and the mother-in-law got a key to the apartment, went in, threw all the furniture away, painted all the walls a different color, and put new furniture. Now, that sounds nice. What a sweet mother-in-law. It ticked the daughter-in-law off. You mean you came, first of all, into our house? You went through my personal belongings? You threw our dresser away. You threw our bedroom set away. You threw our living room set. You threw every way. And I, I did, and I got you all this new stuff. But I don't want your new stuff. The mother-in-law got so upset that she said, okay, I'm not talking to you anymore. And so now they're living in that game. I'm not talking to you anymore. I know of another mother. I read an account on this, and I've seen this happen, where the, the daughter was getting ready for her wedding, and she chose this color for the bridesmaids. I like this color of dress. And the mother said, no, you're not going to have that dress color. I don't want that color. It's ugly. You're not going to have it. And the daughter said, I'm going to have it. And the mother-in-law went, uh, mother went and had some dresses made. said, see this? This is the right color. Your color is not the right color. And the daughter-in-law said, that's the color. And she said, the mother said, if you have that color, I'm not coming to your wedding. That's narcissism. I've watched parents not show up to their kids' weddings over things like this. You pastor over 50 years, you see it all. That's stupidity. That's narcissism. I'm going to get my way. I don't care if it hurts my daughter. I don't care if it hurts my daughter-in-law. And that happens just to be women. It could be the same as men because sometimes men are just grown-up babies. And they act like babies. We're having a good time tonight. We used to say amen in this church. And I want to say that here is Ezra. And Ezra, they've been in captivity 
And now this remnant returns. But he said, I, I want us to get restored. I want us to be back the way it was, the way it should be, that God and the commandments are leading our life. And so it began there in verse 1 with Ezra, the leadership. Leadership always has to lead the way. You want your kids to get right? Leadership, they show, show them how to get right. Dad, lead your home. Mother, lead your home. And you're, the two have become one and work together in harmony. Not this, not this tension that's always filling the house. And I have a happy home, but in leadership, we see in chapter 10 and verse number one, the Bible says, now when Ezra had prayed, look all the things he did. One, he prayed. Two, he confessed. What needs to be confessed tonight? Three, he wept. That means it's coming from his heart. This wasn't just a show to get his wife back or get her husband back or just to get things, the home settled down. No, it came from the heart. There was weeping, three, and casting himself down. That's humility of heart. Such pride. I'm not saying I'm, not saying I'm sorry to that woman. No, I'm not saying it. I mean, she provoked me. That's why I broke the glass window. Oh, big boy. God resisteth the, but he giveth grace to the. You know what we need in this, uh, this country? Yes, some politicians with some humility. But more than that, we need some preachers with humility, myself included. And humble is not to think low of yourself. Humility is not to think of yourself. We think always, we should be thinking of our mate. We should be thinking of our children. We should be thinking of our, our, our people our sheep. What a joy it is to spend this season together as your shepherd, as your pastor, as we lead through this Christmas season and lead into a new year together. And the Bible says he, he prayed, he confessed, he wept, he cast down himself, he went to the house of God. And he saw the women and the children and the daddies. In verse 2, there was confession made. In verse 3, there's a covenant. Let's make a covenant, an agreement. In verse 4, there's courage. He said, uh, let's be of good courage. And I'm grateful for leadership that God has, through my entire life, put in my life. I'm thankful for school teachers that were in my life and then professors in college and pastors. And most of my pastor friends that I've followed so clear, closely we're always older men. I just believed in that. You get to the old men. The Bible says the great men, the men that have gone down a path. You don't go to a pier. I don't go to the internet. I always went to the elderly men that were 25 and 30 and 35 and 40 years older than me. They'd already been through that path of sorrow. Some of them had buried their children. Some watched their children not live for God. They've been through church splits. They've been through sorrows. They've been through disappointments. They've been through health issues. And I've watched those old men, and they're all one by one. I mean, I've got a long list of those men that were my heroes, and so many that preached behind this pulpit that's back here and preached in the old auditorium for the last 48, almost 50 years. Men that walked with God, men that knew God. Some were great men of great minds and great abilities and great degrees. 
Tom Malone, I think of all the degrees that he earned, doctor degrees, they earned doctors, very smart man, and he preached here and he helped us establish Golden State Baptist Institute that became eventually Golden State Baptist College. And oh, how he's a great man of God. And then I see a man like, without all the degrees, he had an eighth grade education, Bobby Robertson. My dear, dear friend from Walkertown, North Carolina, that had a building this size and filled it every Sunday. I have no desire to take your life. I have no day to help you make a decision. There's some years ago about buying a car, and I finally had to say, folks, buy a car. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at buying a car or selling a car. I'm not good at that. We were selling a car, and Brother Martin's good at it. Helped me sell an old car that had a hundred and some thousand miles on it, 20 years old, a couple years ago. And I took him up and said, the deal. And I said, Dad, my life is dedicated to God. God. I left it the fact that I said, I don't see a reason you can't date him. If we could get right, the church, if we could get right, the country could get right. Amen. I have great hope for this country if God's people would just get right. It's nearing 400,000 churches tonight in America, 380-some thousand churches. Brother Patriot, I don't understand why we build these big buildings and beautiful buildings and then use them one hour on Sunday morning and then shut them down on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I don't understand that. This nation doesn't need less church. They need more church. This nation needs more singing hymns and songs and gospel songs. Amen. You say, well, I like the rock bands in church. Well, you can get rock bands everywhere. But where do you get where you can sing, there is a fountain filled with life. Where do you get amazing grace? How sweet. You know where you get amazing grace? At funerals. President's funerals, queen's funerals. King's funerals. That's about the only time they show up. They ought to show up in church all the time. God wants to restore us. And he said, if you just call on me, I'll show you great and mighty things that now know it's not. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.